Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting Podcast. Visit our website at www.oalaig.org where you will find three separate speaker feeds with over 300 speaker files, links for you to subscribe to the podcast, and a place where you can donate to keep this special service active. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, R. Hi, everybody. My name is R, and I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, R. Um, I want to thank David for asking me to come and share. And since there are newcomers here, I want to qualify in standard sort of AA fashion, which means, uh, first off, I came into program January 23rd of 1990. Um, I got my first abstinence, my only abstinence, on the 7th of February of 1990. And generally what people then add when they qualify is how much mon- how much uh, weight they've lost. I started to say money. <laughs> but uh, I don't know how much weight I've lost. But I do know in terms of... Uh, Inches. I've given away eight inches from around my waist, and I brought along this vest that used to fit me snugly. And um, it—if uh, you're on Skype or something <laughs> like that—you can see that this uh, was pretty. Um, you know, I've, here it is, <laughs> like that. So. Um, uh, But why am I still here, you know? Um, The day I came in and read the steps, the first, I'm going to paraphrase instead of saying it the way it really is. I am powerless over food, and I wasn't happy, okay? And that translates to the step exactly the way it's written. My life was unmanageable, okay? Um, So I knew that uh, I belonged here. In spite of certain accomplishments in life, uh, I wasn't happy. And um, immediately I was attracted to the honesty. Uh, It blew me away, you know, and I like the fact that there wasn't a cash register next to the door where, you know, you had to pay uh, something that uh, may or may not have paid off later, you know. Uh, let me talk about my history. Um, uh, I'm the only one in my immediate family with a weight issue. My dad was wiry. He could uh, chin himself on the door uh, sill. Uh, my mother to this day is, uh, you know, not overweight. Um, I have some, uh, I have aunts, uh, I have one aunt on my mother's side who was uh, a little comfy looking, but not, uh, <laughs> but not uh, obese by any means, and she lived uh, into her early 90s. On my dad's side, my granddad was... Um, Wiry, like my dad, his mother was normal. He had an uncle, Jim, who was a big guy. I mean, a big, big man. Wore one of those hats that was like this, you know, and uh, a broad brim hat. And uh, so there was some food uh, 
compulsivity in the family. Um, when I was a toddler, I used to get strokes because I was an adventurous eater. And um, I would eat things that most children wouldn't eat. Don't ask me to name them, but, uh, you know, uh, I, I got pats on the back for it. And, uh, and I can remember about the age of five, sitting in a little breakfast nook, um, looking at, out into the kitchen, and my mother was at the stove, and I had just finished breakfast. And in those days, you know, my mother was a housewife. So breakfast every day was something different, and um, it was interesting and varied and all that. And I, I had just finished, and I said, Mom, what's for lunch? You know, being full, I was still, you know, empty. And, and looking back on it, it had, uh, what was going on with me was that I had that, that pit inside, that, that empty pit. And uh, I, I would eat out of uh, loneliness, and, uh, and, and um, I'd eat for the strokes, and um, I just enjoyed eating. When I was in grammar school, like in the, I can remember in the fifth grade, I knew exactly who the anorexics were already, you know. And I would head over there after lunch and I would say, are you going to eat that sandwich? Hoping that they wouldn't, you know. Um, I, you know, I had radar for that kind of stuff. And um, when I uh, got my first uh, paper route in my early teens, they would give us extra newspapers and I would go down to the main boulevard during commuting, uh, the commuting hours and I would sell those extra papers and I would save up for a couple of days and I would go into a deli or something like that and I'd order, you know, I'd ask for a nickel salt bagel and I'd ask them to slice it through and then 25 cents worth of uh, roast beef, you know. And I would get out there on my bike and I was like in seventh heaven, you know. Um... As I started to grow in my teen years, um, uh, I, I shed the weight. But um, um, after I went into the Army, uh, I was in uh, uh, a, a job at a desk. I had a really cushy time in the Army, one of the few people who did. I have wonderful memories of it. But uh, I started to gain weight. And um, so they said, talk to the doctor. You know, so I went to the doctor, and he gave me these little capsules that had green and white specks in them. And all of a sudden, I found that I was very, very active. I would walk everywhere. I had no idea that it was speed. I didn't even know what speed was. And um, I gave away the weight, and I kept it off for several years uh, I couldn't wait to give up the speed. Actually, it made me feel uncomfortable. But uh, actually, during that period in my life, uh, I started to um, what I call juggle. Uh, juggle my Joneses, you know. Uh, you know, I, I was attracted and addicted to food from an early age. I started to smoke tobacco um, about age 17 or 18, something like that. Uh, I started to drink. Um, 
I didn't use marijuana yet. That was later. But uh, so I, I sort of had these things in the air all at once. And, you know, I would smoke, eat, drink, uh, use sex, uh, exercise, uh, later marijuana. And, you know, I sort of balanced my life moving from one to the other so that none of them really got out of control. Um, but, like I say, I was not, I was not happy. And um, uh, I never got pulled over until uh, I was in my 40s, actually. And when I got pulled over, that took one of those Joneses away from me. It was, it was so humiliating that uh, I stopped completely. And finally, you know, um, I had to leave exercise behind because of some injuries, and I started to grow in size, and so the sex stuff went away too, you know. And um, uh, and finally, I was down to marijuana and food. Okay. Mm, yeah, strange bedfellows. Well, yes and no, you know. And uh, I started to get really big, and. Um, so, uh, a friend of mine, I was playing pitch and putt golf with a friend of mine over at Rancho here on a Friday night, and a really good friend of mine said, who had a food issue, said, uh, you know, I've been going to OA, and um, there's a meeting tonight at 7 o'clock at Westside Pavilion, which at that time was a huge, huge meeting. That that. That room behind the, um, the food area there was filled to the brim with people sitting on the floor and so on and so forth. And as I said earlier, when I walked in and I heard what was going on, I, you know, I was so attracted by the kind of recovery that I heard there, with, especially as far as honesty went and, and, um, and physical recovery. And, uh, but... <clears throat> You know, during the years working up to that, I'd been on a lot of diets, okay? I'd done a lot of yo-yoing, and um, I couldn't do another diet. I mean, I just couldn't do it. I had no will to do that, okay? But I did have the will to, like, um, listen to what my fellows were saying in these rooms, and to take it in and to try and, and uh, digest it. Uh, I, I don't know why I picked that word, but to try and incorporate it. And uh, I heard everybody saying, you know, um, my abstinence is like sugar. And I started to think about my sugar eating. And, yeah, you know, I was eating a lot of sugar. Some nights I would do a half a gallon of ice cream, okay? And, um, uh, of course, it was light ice cream, I rationalized, you know. But, um, uh, so I, I decided after a couple of weeks, I asked, I asked one guy how I ought to approach it. Well, he said, and I didn't have a sponsor yet, and he said, well, just try it for one day. You know, and I went home that night, and I thought, well, tonight I won't have my reward you know, which would have been probably about a pint of ice cream. And uh, so I didn't have that reward. You know, I looked at, 
my evening eating, my evening meal as a reward for sort of getting through the day. It was, my life was that sorry as I look at it. And um, so I went to bed. And miracle of miracle, I slept the night through. I didn't have to get up in the middle of the night to, you know, let the uh, the, the uh, reward out. You know? And um, the liquid reward out. And um, so I thought, well, you know. That's one day. And so I chose that as my abstinence. And I was very I was really rigorous about it. You know, if if an item on the ingredient list was was uh, above the fifth position, I wouldn't have it. I wouldn't have ketchup. Um, uh, I, I was really rigorous about it. I, I don't need to be that rigorous now. I'm not drawn to ketchup. Um, although when I buy it in the store, I buy the low sugar variety. But if I want to have a little ketchup, you know, on, on uh, for whatever reason at a restaurant, I'll, I'll use the standard variety stuff. Um, uh, you know, they say the road narrows, and uh, that that's meant in a lot of different ways. Um, it, 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 it means something as far as food goes. It means something as far as our actions goes. go. It means something as far as our accountability goes. Um, and uh, so I just sort of cruised in my early time. Food-wise, I cruised in program. I was still eating some pretty large meals, but... Um, they didn't have sugar, and mostly they didn't have white flour. Uh, that was the second thing that I abandoned was white flour. I, I gave it up. I, I made it a part of my abstinence. And slowly I started to, to shed uh, weight and size. And um, um, but, you know, that really wasn't the main reason that I was here. I was here because I wanted the glow that I saw in everybody, you know. And there was a lot of that. You know, you, you, you could see people's recovery. And, and it wasn't because they were talking about it. It was because of the way that they behaved and acted, you know. The eyes just shined and... Um, uh, you know, and I wanted to to return to the sense of um, serenity, if you will, and contentment that I had when I was a kid. And um, you know, I would hear things in meetings that um, um, the, one of the things that I remember hearing that was new to me was a gratitude list. I was someone who took stuff for granted a whole lot. And I, w I heard gratitude lists, and rhetorically I asked, what's a gratitude list? You know, I mean, I, I was trained to find out what was wrong with things, not what was right about them. My dad, metaphorically, was a horse trader, and, you know, you got to know what's wrong or you're going to get bid on the backside. And then there's a theory of business called uh, the principle of exceptions, which means that the squeaky wheel gets oiled. And so you just sort of address those things. And, um, you know, 
having those things like that in my life uh, uh, was like wearing a pair of blinders, and I had to re-educate myself, and I would, you know, deliberately sit down and put ten things on my gratitude list to, to turn myself around, you know, to, to re-educate myself. And um, um, it, it, it was a godsend, an absolute godsend. Now, I'm somebody who, um, spiritually, I've, uh, I've had what they call a spiritual experience, which, which refers to a sudden... Um, unexpected um, sort of uh, touch from God. Um, I had it when I was trying to quit smoking. Okay, now this is way before uh, program, and it was quick. And um, I, I sought it out through religion and couldn't find it. Um, and I heard about spiritual experience in, in this program, and I didn't know how to find that. And I heard in 12 step, in, in step 12, excuse me, that um, um, uh, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of working these steps, that there was a new definition for me to become aware of, and that the awakening referred to a slow sort of um, evolution to a sense of God consciousness rather than a quick, sudden bolt of lightning experience. And through working the steps, um, I've, um, I've had that experience. I've, I've learned to trust. I've learned to set myself aside, to try and set myself aside. Um, you know, the big book says that we're self-centered, and I was self-centered. I'm still self-centered to some degree, you know. Now, I wasn't selfish. It wasn't that kind of thing. It wasn't, um, you know, a whole lot of grabbing, but it was more like, for me, it was more like, um, well, this is my point of view. It's fairly well educated. Isn't it clear to you? You know, I mean, um, now that's naive thinking, of course. And I was naive in that regard. But, but that was my kind of self-centeredness. Um, so uh, that has largely changed for me. I, I, I now have a whole lot more objectivity about myself. And... Uh, and I am so grateful that this is a WE program because, um, you know, only people in these rooms understand this stuff. Uh, I, I, um, my primary physician at the VA for a while was a woman who was just wonderful. I mean, she was extremely well-educated. She really knew what she was doing. She was a great advocate, and um, I shared with her, well, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm in OA. And she said, oh, that's wonderful. And then she said, why don't you just eat a little less? You know? She didn't get it. You know? And um, in these rooms, if I say to someone, you know, my food yesterday was a little rocky, or I ate some of this, or whatever, the response is just normally a nod of the head. The kind of 
thing where, you know, I'm told by that nod of the head that, okay, you know, it, and it stops right there. It isn't like, well, why don't you do this, 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 and this to make sure that you don't do that again? You know, it's, it's altogether a different point of view because we understand how, you know, um, what's the word? How down and dirty this disease can be, and, and yet we need to eat, you know? So, um, it's... Um, let me talk about, um, um, if I may, the the, uh, the sort of ebbing and flowing. My program has continually changed in program, continually. Um, when I started in program, um, I, I didn't do it for social reasons. Uh, I didn't gravitate to my fellows for social stuff. And um, uh, that's the way it worked for me. Um, and now, in, in my program, I do have relationships with people in program. Um, and, and I'm grateful, for me, I'm grateful that it happened that way because it let me really focus on why I was here, which is, you know, to learn, to connect with a higher power, to clear away the wreckage of the past, so to speak. And um, um, one of the things that, um, that I carried uh, guilt-wise in my life was uh, my relationship with uh, the woman that I was married to. And um, I, I thought that uh, I wasn't as loving as I might have been. Uh, it, it wasn't that I was, um, what's the word, um, you know, diabolically evil or manipulative or any of that stuff, but, um, um, you know, I took a, the entire responsibility uh, for the failure of the relationship. And, um, uh, and I found out through the process of... Uh, Beginning the through beginning the amends process that uh, that just wasn't the case, you know, um, and um, you know she said to me, in fact, uh, I think I owe you amends rather than you're owing me amends, and you know it 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 uh, it I I didn't lock into the truth in that, but rather I accepted that as being. Hey, it's not all my fault. Now, now they say that when you take full blame, that you're pretty grandiose. Uh, but um, you know, I did blame myself. But after I heard that, it was lifted, and uh, it was very unexpected, completely unexpected. So um, now, uh, tools. We got a lot of tools. Um, when I first came into program. The most difficult thing for me to do was to pick up the phone and make a phone call. You know, um, it's still difficult for me to do, for whatever reason. Um, meetings, I, I thrive in meetings. You know, it, it's like it's like uh, sort of being in the fun house at the uh, at the amusement park. You look in a mirror and you see. 
yourself, but with some distortion. Well, when I hear someone else, it's not myself, but I hear myself. You know, so it's that's not a. It wasn't a very good analogy, <laughs> but, uh, but uh, you know, I didn't really think about this whole thing very much. <laughs> so I apologize, but what what I'm getting at is that that. Um, you know, through my fellows, I see myself. You know, don't laugh at me. <laughs> so, um, um, you know, uh, literature is golden, but sometimes I need help interpreting it. Uh, I like to be in big book studies. Uh, I like to be given direction about the meaning of what was said from people who get it on a macro basis on the whole or right down to the micro, the, the, the little stuff. Uh, you know, it helps me better understand the way that I work my program. And um, uh, I got into something um, about a year and a half ago where... Um, I was trying to affect a positive change in an organization. And um, uh, I have a particular expertise that I saw was um, uh, really needed in that organization. And um, the, the people that I so wanted to help didn't see it that way. And, um, you know... Uh, for uh, a number of reasons that had nothing to do with truth. It was just uh, they didn't see it that way. And uh, <coughs> some people uh, thought that I should be making amends for what I uh, had proposed. And, um, and I didn't see it that way at all. Um, and as it as it's come to be as as things were looked into a little closer uh, this particular organization had a $22,000 deficit between what the book said and what the bank statement said and um, uh, and I realized that what I was doing uh, even though it was uncomfortable when I was going through it was necessary now what about my serenity? My serenity would have, if I was just looking for serenity, I would have walked away from it. Okay? Um, you know, saying, um, wait a minute, it's none of your business. But um, I, I felt uh, that I could be of help. And, um, and as it turned out, I was of help. Uh, uh, and there's been some major changes now. And um, the point that I'm trying to make is that, uh, you know, with growth, with my growth, I've been able to uh, become uncomfortable, to do it in a spiritual way, as I perceive it, and to uh, cause growth on the other side, if you will. And... Um, I don't know that I'll do it again. I don't know that, that there will ever be an occasion for me to do it again. But I'm, I'm just talking about 
um, uh, how when we grow we can we can take ourselves outside the box for for positive reasons and survive. You know, so. Um, I don't know that that was the best example, but uh, it was one that rang true for me, and so I'm, I'm talking about it a little bit. Um, where are we? Oh, my. Okay. So, uh, when, I, when I leave here tonight, I'll probably say to myself, oh, why didn't you say this, 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 and this? But uh, I'm going to knock it off right now. And... Uh, If anybody has any questions, I'll be happy to try and answer them. So, thanks. That's a a very good question. Her, Her question was, what is my relationship like with my higher power, and how has it changed since 1990? Well, the answer to that lies in... um, Trust. Trust on my part. Um, my discipline in my earlier program was consisted of a lot of prayer. And I didn't hear answers per se. Uh, there wasn't really... Um, uh, I wasn't really meditating in a way that uh, society as a whole thinks of meditation. Um, however, now my relationship is like this. There's far less prayer. My meditation process is more like thinking over the events of the day coming up and how I will deal with them in a spiritual way given my set of um, character defects. Okay? And when I'm in a particular mindset, I'm able to contemplate basking in the light, if you will, where... I imagine myself almost anonymously being in the light, okay? the light of love, unconditional love. And um, I've never had a relationship with my higher power that was anything like, um, you know, uh, get me out of this or any of that. It's more of um, uh, I don't know how to describe it. Um, it, It's more like um, just having a trust. A trust in my fellows in the universe in whatever lesson we're here to learn whatever it is. And uh, uh, that's the best that I can do answering that for the moment. My daily routine, she wants to know what my daily routine is. Well, it consists of largely connecting with my higher power via a small prayer, like the set-aside prayer, 
or if I'm really feeling challenged, it would start out with um, the 11th step prayer, the prayer of St. Francis, and then I would move through whatever is going to go on that particular day or the next day, and it's, it's like that. And I like to go to meetings also, so I'll go to a meeting. It 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 grew. Yeah. What was my experience with the first with the fourth step? Well, the first time that I did my fourth step, uh, it was um, I went through the steps with a woman in the valley called Maxine, who's still going, and uh, she would have uh, a dozen people to her house on two successive uh, Sundays, I think it was, or was it Friday? Uh, Saturday and Sunday, and then Saturday and Sunday, I can't remember. I think it was just two successive Sundays. And uh, the first week, she took us steps one through three, and then suggested or asked us to do a fourth step in the week between meeting one and meeting two. And she suggested that we use some sort of a timeline to do that, like ages uh, zero to six or zero to ten, and then... 10 to 20 and so on like that. So it was pretty brief and not very deep. Okay. And, um, you know, uh, last year I remembered something that happened to me where um, uh, there was no resentment involved on my part. I just realized that I may have hurt someone. Uh, before program, actually. And um, it came into my mind, you know, out of nowhere. And um, so um, I got sponsored direction, and uh, which was, you know, call this person, set up uh, like a coffee or something like that, and um, then initiate the conversation when it was after going through the small talk, you know, saying, you know, uh, I may have hurt you back in time. And um, so it kind of went like that. Uh, Now, you asked about step four. I'm sorry, I'm going too far. But uh, uh, it, it just, things continue to come up, you know. So it's like that. The question was, uh, has my weight fluctuated, and what steps have I taken to deal with that? Now, I'm not, I'm not quite sure what you meant by steps, but um, uh, so I'll just answer it as best I can. Um, yes, I've done some of this, but not for me. Thank, thank you, God. Not, uh, it wasn't a great um, gain. In, in weight and it's as simple for me it was as simple as I kept coming back okay? and I was always looking for the willingness I don't know how to say it other than that how do I challenge the challenge oh I'm sorry Oh. <laughs> okay. Thank you, John. How, how do I channel my recovery to my sponsees? Okay. 
Well, a lot of it is like through acceptance. Okay? My accepting what's going on with them and waiting to see if there's a pattern okay, in part uh, asking them if they want good orderly direction okay, um, keeping in mind that I am far from perfect and we all are it, it's by being mindful on a daily basis it, it um, Truthfully, I, I rarely do something that needs amend, that I need to make amends for. Honestly, you know? uh, I got really pissed. Excuse me. I got really angry uh, about a week ago with someone in a line at a gas station right, who didn't follow protocol and. And um, and I confronted him, you know. And um, uh, I I did say something that would have like uh, that I could have made amends for, except that they left, and, you know. So. Um, so what I did about that was, you know, I shared it, okay? I shared it with people that, my fellows, I shared it with my sponsor, and that was the way I dealt with it, you know? I, I, I didn't just uh, say, you know, you, you were righteously wronged, you know, and leave it at that. You know, I took my part and... But I don't bump into it a whole lot. You're welcome.